dust we've come and dust we are Welcome to the Luminous Podcast, weekly meditations, readings and blessings to assist with our rest, peace and spiritual wellness. You can find out more at luminousanglican.com. Just let it go. because um, our golden doodle is named Mercy, but it doesn't sound as beautiful when we say his name because it's usually more like, Mercy, stop licking yourself. Mercy, get over here. Mercy, stop chasing the squirrels. So it's nice to hear Mercy in a more calming context. Um, this morning's really special uh, to get to come and be with you, but it's especially special for me because uh, my dear friend Lacey is visiting from East Tennessee. So um, I love having her company here and just getting to be with all of you. We're going to be looking at that beloved um, reading this morning that we just did. Um, Jesus wept. There's nothing more vulnerable, deeply caring, compassionate, and telling of our love than the physical manifestation of tears. Tears are often the gateway to uh, a deeper insight of our emotions, our mental health, um, how we're feeling physically. And they like to come out in different ways. And tears are also a really beautiful indication of when we see beauty, when a tulip pops through the cold soil after a very long winter. You know what I'm saying? Seeing a sunrise or a sunset, watching birds chatter on a walk. Such powerfully sacred words in scripture. Jesus wept. It's like Jesus was handing us a permission slip and a box of Kleenex and saying to us, it's okay to be human. It's okay to weep. It's okay, it's okay to cry. It's okay to care. Jesus wept because like the, the verse said, like he was deeply moved in his spirit and he loved Lazarus deeply. And he loves you deeply. He wept because he was sad because he knew that there was more beyond life and death. In addition to grief and sadness, tears also indicate being deeply moved through passion, through joy. And so in light of today, we are looking at Jesus's tears of humanity as he does this really beautiful job of holding the tension between grief and hope. Because that's so much of where life is lived, the grief and the hope. I read a really beautiful article on um, the research of tears because this is what you do on your weekend, right? Why do we cry? What are the purpose of tears? Tears are a way that we self-regulate. We self-soothe our bodies. They actually calm our emotions and they relax our nervous system. When we cry, we actually get support from other people. You know, if you're ever with somebody and they start crying, there's this is this desire to move toward them, to comfort them, to put an arm around them, to see them. It's this really beautiful, innate way we were created to attach to one another in healthy ways. Tears relieve pain. They release that beautiful drug in our bodies called oxytocin, and we thank them for it. 
tears enhance our mood. Have you ever had a good cry and been like, oh, I feel so much better? Which leads us to another benefit of tears is after a good cry, we like to take a good long nap. Take a cue from a baby. They cry the little hearts out and then they conk out for hours. It's a blessing. Tears are healing. We say that in our family on repeat. Tears are healing and we let them come and we do not apologize for them because they are beautiful and they are a picture of our humanity and they are something that Jesus offers to us on the daily. And yet, isn't it ironic that in our culture, we are so quick to push tears down or apologize for them or feel embarrassed for them? How often do we cry and we're like, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Like, no, no, no apologies. Especially men, you guys get a really hard rap for like needing to be manly, like hide those tears. Don't be so sensitive. But what if tears are an indicator of something deeper and something real? A way that the Holy Spirit is breathing and moving. I think my favorite place to be is sitting with somebody and companioning them through their tears. It is a sacred, sacred space to sit with someone and hold their tears and not need to fix it or ask them to stop, but to just hold space and honor those tears and what they mean and where they come from and what they're trying to say. And yet, how often do we say, what if we actually let ourselves touch our sadness? What if I touch that sadness and that grief swallows me whole? What if I never come out? Those are such honest questions to ask, especially for those of us who have never really waded into the, those waters. And I feel like this is where Jesus comes along and he hands us a tissue and he offers us his hand and he gives us permission and he says, oh, sweet soul, but what if you actually let those tears teach you something? What if you let your sadness be an invitation to hope? What if the only way to heal and to know that hope is to go through our tears, through our pain, through our grief, so that we can go beyond toward hope, toward joy, toward delight, toward play? Susan Phillips in her beautiful book, Candlelight, says, I follow the trail of tears, and that seems to lead to the heart's truth. Our tears lead us to the deepest truth of, of what's going on inside and who we are. And this is the companionship of Jesus who holds humanity and divinity in the same breath. Do you know that the, the phrase, Jesus wept, is only recorded in scripture three times? We talk about it here in the story of Lazarus. And this kind of weeping isn't, it's different than um, what Mary and Martha were experiencing in the Jewish tradition. Like, they were like weeping, like groaning, like guttural, like sobbing. And when it says Jesus wept for Lazarus, it was this like quiet, compassionate, like withness of, I feel your pain and I see your pain. I'm with you in this pain. I'm so sad. He also, in Luke 19, 41, it talks about how after he comes in the beloved donkey, which we're gonna have a story about donkeys in a second. Mm. Um, but after Jesus rode in on a donkey and then he came out to Jerusalem and he looked out over the city and he wept. He wept for what they were gonna experience. He wept at what was coming. He wept because he knew there was more for them. And then in Hebrews, 
it says that God asked to save, he asked God to save him from death with cries and tears with weeping. And ironically, the three times that it was recorded that Jesus wept are also the three times that it was near the end of his life. And I can't help but wonder if there's some sort of connection with the closer we get to our humanity and to um, the close of our days here, the nearer our tears come, the quicker they are to fall, the more important the little things in life become. Jesus offers us permission to weep, to allow our care to come out in the form of tears, to name our griefs and to be held by hope. And the really awkward, uncomfortable thing about tears and grief is that it is not this linear, very beautiful, in-the-box process, is it? It is like popcorn-y and two steps forward and one steps back, and it's messy, and it's really uncomfortable for those around us. I see some faces like, mm-hmm, yes. It feels really important that today I get to share this because 10 years ago today is when my dad had his stroke. And that was a week between from today and then until next Sunday when he actually passed away. And so grief, grief and I are like really good friends. And I know I've shared with some of you, but I think grief was the, it was the invitation where before I think I felt like I had to do all these things for God, kind of stand up on a stage and perform for him so that he would see me and like, you know, reach down from his beautiful clouds and give me some attention. And grief when I, my dad finally died was this really tender way that he just met me right where I was, which was a hot mess, mess on the kitchen floor. He became so real. It was like he just like scooted next to me and was like, I see you. I see your tears. I'm here. Tears were the open door to how Jesus befriended me. And I just wonder, what does that look like for you? How have tears been a space that Jesus is meeting you? And I also want to honor that some of us are not criers, right? Some of us, like, have you guys seen The Holiday with, um, what's it, Diet Cameron Diaz, right, best movie ever? I feel like we need a movie night maybe here in the future. Maybe How to Lose a Guy in Ted Days is in there. We can make some recommendations. Um, but she, like, literally can't cry. Like, she's so frustrated. She's like, I just want to cry, you know? And you have to watch the movie to see what happens. Um, so there's, there's souls like her who, like, we fight back the tears, we shove them down, or, like, they just don't come as naturally. And then there's souls like me who stopped wearing mascara a couple years ago because I cry all the time. Right, sweet souls? Okay. <laughs> like, this week, I think I, well, let, I mean, I, I cried. Art and I were talking about the, the sweet animated, the boy, the mole, the fox. Have you guys seen the animated on Apple? Okay, just... Grab a box of Kleenex and a blanket and just, it, you're welcome, okay? I cried in that. Brian and I are watching this show, 1883, about them pioneering and doing the Oregon Trail. I think I just, like, cried through the whole way there. You know, I, like, I pick up the mail from our mailbox and I'm like, this is just really precious. Like, you know, like, I just, tears, tears and I are like, we're just buds. Like, they're always ready and I, I think I've just learned to not hold them back because they're so healing when they come. And there's always something deeper that they're trying to tell. And I'm like, okay, what, what do you need to say today? Let those tears come. They're always, always, always inviting healing. They're always beckoning us toward hope. And I wonder, what are you grieving? 
What are you grieving? What, like Jesus, is bringing weeping? What do you need to name? How can we see your tears or your lack of tears and hold hope with you? I recently got to go to Colorado um, a couple weeks ago and um, the, the day before we went to the retreat property, I got to go see some sweet souls that I actually get to offer direction to. There's a husband-wife team and I see them um, separately. And so I actually got to like see their faces and hug them for the first time in real life. And it was really sweet. And they have a farm. And I know that I've shared this with you, but Brian and I, our dream is to have a retreat property out in the country and have little cottages and spaces for weekends and respite and beauty. And there's a poetry barn. And there will also be donkeys. And I did inform my husband last night that I think I'm actually feeling really inspired that it's actually gonna be a rescue farm for donkeys. So if you know of any donkeys that don't need a home, you can send them their way, um, my way. But this couple, they have a farm and they had two burrows and they had one donkey. And I was in heaven. And I think I fussed over these donkeys and talked about them all weekend. Um, so much so that afterwards, um, he sent me, and I asked if it was okay to share this with you, but he sent me this really beautiful um, story about their donkeys. And so I'd love to share that with you because it, it ties in so beautifully with tears and Jesus weeping. And I asked him permission to share this with you, so I'm just going to read this. He said, my donkeys came with a warning. Yes, I have donkeys. More specifically, two burros who were rescued from the Nevada desert. I had always wanted donkeys, ideally some miniature domesticated donkeys because I think they're adorable. He is correct. So when the opportunity came to adopt these sweet girls, I couldn't pass it up, even though they didn't necessarily fit the donkey dream I had in my head. They're bigger than mini donkeys, but not by much. Smaller than a horse or a mule, and they have a distinct cross running down the back of their backs and across their shoulders. They are gentle but discerning in their temperament, and their trust must be earned. You cannot break a donkey in the same way that you can break a horse. You cannot train them to obey you. Instead, their faithfulness is earned through consistent care and attention. The more that they see you show up and care for them, the more they begin to show their affection toward you. They are calm animals, and their presence seems to bring a sort of peace to the farm. They are stoic, but not emotionless and they have this ability to recall and recognize the faces of humans, they will remember their caretaker's face even if they haven't seen them in years. So back to the warning. The previous owner of these beautiful creatures had been their caretaker for over a decade. They were her companions, and she was very sad to see them go due to life circumstances, but she needed to find a new pasture for them to roam. And as she was walking me through Donkey 101, Something she said stood out to me as interesting. And this is what I really want you to hear. She said, be careful to check on them frequently. Donkeys are silent sufferers and it can be very difficult to tell if they are sick or in pain. Silent sufferers, they walk out their pain and suffering with a stoic peace that would make you think that everything is okay. Does any one of us resonate with this? They will carry their posture until death, which means caretakers must stay attuned to their needs and physical condition. 
their peace never flees in the face of pain, illness, or suffering. I've been told this is an attempt by donkeys to not allow predators to see their weakness, but it makes me wonder if this is just one of the reasons why it was prophesied and fulfilled that our Savior would choose this beautifully complex creature to carry him into Jerusalem and into the hands of the authorities. I wonder if anybody was amazed that this discerning animal, who would typically only be obedient to its master, would fall under the gentle lead of Jesus and carry him exactly where he needed to go. I'm curious if the donkey was able to recognize the face of Jesus as it was brought to him by the disciples. This donkey would have mirrored the posture of Jesus, carrying a quiet and gentle peace that would not depart from them on this road to death. And all the while, the beautiful desert burrow bearing the symbol of our Lord's death and resurrection across his body. Isn't that beautiful? Silent sufferer. I think as a parish, that's one of our heartbeats and our prayers is that you do not have to be a silent sufferer. That you do not have to hold the pain. You do not have to put on the I'm okay face. You do not have to be tough or strong. You get to come right where you are with your tears and your grief and your longings and your dreams and your real life experiences. And we get to hold them with you. And so as a parish, how can we hold space for you to weep? To experience God's tender presence as you hurt or feel alone or like I shared with our small group last Monday, I just felt off. How can we hold space for what your tears are wanting to say? Is there sadness that can be held? Is there a dream that needs room to be heard? Is there a hope for more? And we look to Jesus, our friend who cried with us and also gives us ample room and time to heal. Hope is greater because weeping is acknowledged and it is welcomed here. And it's also, I feel important to name that our crying and our weeping doesn't always lead to the Lazarus rising from the dead stories, does it? I think we could go around this room and take all day and share a story of where we prayed, we asked, we cried, we fasted, we begged, and that dream did not come true. We did not have the Lazarus waking up and walking out of the tomb moment. I remember somebody distinctly coming in and praying over my dad when he had his stroke and then was in a coma, prayed this verse over him. And it almost gave us this false hope, like, okay, God, do your thing. Like, wake my dad up. He's gonna be fine. We're gonna, everything's gonna be okay. Only to realize that a couple of days later, his stroke was actually his kidney cancer that had come back and metastasized and he was terminal. And so we had to pray as a family about deciding to like, let him go and wait for him to die. There was no Lazarus ending. And yet what is the healing that God is doing and how is Jesus companioning, companioning us? How is he sitting with us and saying, I see you? There is more, there is hope, but right now, this is really hard and that's okay. Tears are a normal part of life. The rhythm of death in life, and Jesus wants to join us in these everyday moments, whether it's on a walk, whether it's on the kitchen floor, 
whether it's in a hospital room or in the car or the shower or wherever it is that you let your tears fall or try to fall. And we so desperately need the humanity of Jesus to remind us that it's okay to experience his compassion in these moments, that it's okay to be a hot mess. It's okay to be real and honest because it takes the healing to do the work and we need him to offer a hand and be led toward hope. Grief and hope, sorrow and joy, they're beautiful companions in this life journey. And I'd love to close with a poem. And as I do, if you wanna just close your eyes, if you wanna gaze at the cross, maybe take a deep breath. can we honor whatever you're bringing today, whatever you're holding, whatever tears need to fall, they are so beautiful and they are welcome here. This is called Ode to Hope. May it be a prayer over you. Oh, hello, deep grief with your lows and tears an ebb and flow of unknowns and brokenness. I see and I honor you who accompanies pain. I am here to hold one hand while extending your other toward hope. For the invitation is to be a tension holder, a space maker, a grief honorer, a hope waver a believer that the most horrible experiences will break us open and reveal beauty inside, reflecting and reflected by hope. May you tend to the grief, name the pain under the pain, give space to process and feel through each grainy layer. Do you hear how they beg to be heard and met with compassionate care? how grief and pain long to heal. You, dear one, you are brave enough to risk, to dream, to begin anew from an integrated view. And until your dying day, may you hold this tension of grief and hope, make space, honor and believe, or in making room to befriend grief and hope. It's beauty that grows in this in-between. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you would like more information or ways to be a part of Luminous, please go to luminousanglican.com. Peace be with you. <laughs>